Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number two. We're going to be joining you every week to talk IT career, news, and opinions, based on our points of view, of course. I'm your host, John White, on Twitter, at VJourneyman, and always joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, doing great, John. I just want to make sure everybody knows we're both VMware systems engineers, so our topics are definitely going to have a data center slant, but hopefully our career discussions will be relevant across disciplines and remain timeless. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. To virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Awesome. How are you liking that uh, opening, Nick? Uh, still still tickling your fancy? Yeah, I think it was good. You know, we made some changes this week. I, I dig it. How about yourself? You know, it's... Uh... Still the only idea that we've had, so uh, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> the iterations continue. That's right. Always be iterating. Always. Okay, cool. Let's uh, get the format then. As always, Nick and I are going to be talking about the career advice that we wish that we had gotten earlier on in our careers that hopefully would have gotten us to where we were a little bit faster. So today's topic is going to center around phone interviews. The first section, we're going to be talking about the HR screener or the recruiting screener, and then we're going to be going to the hiring manager phone interview. So uh, with that, let's get started. First topic, phone interviews. Um, Nick, let's clarify the different kinds of phone interviews there are in the hiring process, right? So this yeah. is the presumption that uh, a recruiter's called you or you've re uh, applied for a job and somebody's calling you back uh, for a phone interview. So um, I've seen, and you know, this seems to be pretty standard. There's, there's two different kinds of phone interviews, the HR screen or the recruiter screen, where a recruiter calls you and says, you know, arranges like a 15 minute, like, uh, talk and chat and kind of goes over your resume. And that's different from the other kind, which is the actual first interview um, with the hiring manager or whoever, you know, actually initiates that first serious interview, you know, the stakeholder in the hire. Is that your experience? Is that what you've gone through in your hires? I'd say that's generally the beginning, yes. And, you know, depending on the intricacy of the process at whatever company you're interviewing with, you may end up having the manager pass you off to get some feedback from other team members on your technical depth in whatever field you're entering. And that may or may not lead to an in-person. So, you know, I've been at places where the phone screening process was really just the talk with the recruiter and then an in-person with the hiring manager, but others where you actually do talk to the hiring manager first over the phone. A lot of it, in my opinion, is based on company size. Sure. And probably your proximity to the company, right? And to the, the hiring manager, because mm -hmm. if you're in different states, then that's probably going to be over the phone or Skype uh, video or, or something that's along those lines. Um, so let's, you know, very briefly talk about that HR screen, because I think that's really not what we're talking about, but we should talk about what that is. It, mm -hmm. Again, this is my opinion, but this is from observation and having gone through it several times. The HR screen really is, hey, I want, you know, I'm somebody in HR, either work directly for the company or an outside contractor or a third party uh, recruiter. 
and I am going to talk to you on the phone to make sure that you actually fit the profile of person that I think that you are from LinkedIn or a resume that I have in my system or whatever source that I've sourced you from, you know, dice.com, monster.com, whatever. So that's really the purpose of that call is to make sure that you are a fit to what the recruiter thinks you are. Does that track for you? I think so. And a lot of times during this call, you know, the recruiter will discuss details of the position. You know, is it a work from home? Is it a go to the office every day? What's the expectation there? What kind of person would you be reporting to? And it's, it's a real good opportunity to ask questions about what to expect from this role. And someone in HR should be able to give you a, a decent idea of what that is. You know, you, you may or may not venture into the pay scale argument because I like how you call it an argument <laughs> <laughs> or debate, what, whatever you want to call it. You know, it's a, it's kind of a faux pas, really. Do you tell the, the person what you're making now? Do you ask for what you want? There are so many different schools of thought on that one issue. So well, what's th- your take there? It's interesting because I thought that this was something that we'd skim right by, but it seems like this is actually a point, like an interesting topic, because I, I am actually fairly opinionated about this. Um, I think that, you know, I always want to be upfront with the amount of money that I expect to be making for, you know, my read on what the job is. Um, and even with the pay scale that I'm on right now, right? Like I, I don't have a problem saying to somebody, Hey, I make in the neighborhood of, you know, something, you know, 15% below where I am at and 15% above where I'm at, you know, or, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of range like that. And of course, you know, as a systems engineer, my, my pay is variable. So, you know, I can talk about, um, you know, that as an actual range because it is a range. And then, you know, to be, to say something like if I'm, you know, moving jobs to something like what you're describing, I certainly am not willing to take a pay cut. I'm not willing to take a pay cut to change. That just doesn't make any sense to me. If it's a step up, you know, then I'm interested, you know, and it would have to be a step up for money and not equity. You know, that's the type of uh, discussion that I think is actually, you know, absolutely okay to have with that HR screen because, you know, it's, I don't want to waste my time. And I certainly don't want to waste somebody else's time, right? If they've called me and they're like, oh, actually, I was looking for somebody a lot more junior making 40% less than you, you know, maybe it just doesn't make sense to have this conversation. Then I want to find that out without any investment and time beyond this conversation. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, I totally get it. And and I would agree. You know, each time that's happened to me, I'd say, you know, I'm looking to be here in this range. Is that something that matches with what? the company would be offering and you know i've they've been honest with me each time that's happened and like you said it's a way to not waste any time because you know how sad would it be for you to get to the end and get offered a job and it be 30 percent less than what you expected and if you go back and say you know what it's going to have to be this much more that's not going to be fun for anybody yeah it, yeah. it 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 makes me think back to the Geek Whisperers episode with Liz Bronson. She's a recruiter. I think she's actually a recruiter for VMware, if memory serves. But she she said, you know, there's nothing wrong with telling the recruiter what you want. Because if you tell them what you want, 
they're your advocate and can figure out if they can get it for you. Because really, the negotiation goes through the recruiter or the HR person more so than directly with the manager, doesn't it? Definitely. Has it been your experience? Definitely, yeah. I there, there's no question about that. I think if, especially if the recruiter is an agency recruiter, as opposed to like somebody who works directly for the company, um, you know that generally is happening at that point, and you know to kind of shield hiring managers from. Um, you know, emotional discussions with uh, somebody who they potentially are going to be managing, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think to set an expectation, you know, hey, are we in the same range? If we have overlapping ranges, then let's continue the discussion, you know, until one of us isn't interested in the other, right? And for me, right. like, that's a pretty high bar, you know, because I'm at a job that I really like. Uh, so, Hashtag high roller. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> oh, man, I wish. Hashtag that Bay real estate life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh, my That's God. why I'm in Texas. Oh, geez. Yeah. You can uh, start an apartment search for me there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe you can do an Airbnb and just kind of stay there indefinitely. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. But the, you know, we hadn't really talked about it on the show, but to get that HR screen, you've got to make it sometimes through an applicant tracking system, and, and the recruiters are going to dial in on those key words and phrases they're looking for because they may be looking for someone with a specific background, specific talent, specific thing that you have worked on. And when you talk to the, to the recruiter, you need to have some stories ready. You, know, you, you really need to be able to tell your story about how you've done things and have read the job description, hopefully, and have looked a, a little at the company and you know, ask questions about the benefits too because it's not just about the salary and or if, you, if it's a commission-type job. Ask about the benefits, you know, the health insurance, dental, are there stock options? All these things make up the compensation package, not just the salary. Oh, that's and, and interesting, yeah. There's been a lot of talk about that in the V-Expert Slack lately, so I wanted to bring that up because it really is this holistic picture. You know, if maybe the salary is exactly what you're making at this other company, but all these other benefits, like, you know, the company has a really large 401k match and you get vested immediately and you can take that anywhere you want and they give you stock options and, and all this other stuff, well... You know, at the end of the day, that that does add up to more of a compensation package, and maybe you you are specifically targeting those types of things, and that makes it worth it. Or this is actually going to be a <laughs> an hour and a half commute, and you you need that to be paid mileage, or they're going to pay your tolls, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I think probably the total compensation package and like the structure of the compensation is something that I would definitely endorse talking about. You know, like if somebody says, hey, you know, here's your dream job. It's $100,000. And maybe that's like, you know, you're making 70 and you're like, oh, that's amazing. And they go, yeah, it's 100% commission. But they don't tell you until you're at the (laughs) offer stage. And you're just not comfortable working on 100% commission. Like that, if you had found that out up front by asking about structure of pay, not just, you know, 
finding out if you're in the same neighborhood of like amount of pay, then, then you would have saved yourself a lot of time, you know? So, um, I, I would say like the one thing I would react to, like maybe a little bit differently is when you say benefits, like in my mind, benefits means like health and dental and, and, uh, and things like that. And I just kind of take it for granted that there's going to be reasonable health insurance, reasonable dental insurance, you know, with a, you know, vision plan. And that's almost like getting ironed out at the end. Like, because if the company doesn't have those things, then that's almost like they came to the game without table stakes. So mm, gotcha. I, I kind of assume that they have those things. And then at the end, if they're like, oh yeah, we have like, here's our health insurance plan, but we don't subsidize it at all. Then I'd be like, okay, well then the total comp needs to go up because, you know, my effective compensation is lower because you're not subsidizing your health care plan. Um, yeah, that's great. You know, then that, you know, that's just, um, you know, and maybe that's would be something where you say you can disclose that, you know, Hey, um, you know, I have a, fa- I'm on a family health care plan and here's my deductible, you know, cause it's subsidized, you know, if the structure for this company that I'm working for is different from that, then, you know, I'd need to know, um, I don't need to know right now, but you know, I'd need to know when we're talking about total compensation. So, yeah, um, that would probably be how I talk about it. But I, geez, I'd, I'd never, I guess I'm saying I never have run into that situation where, you know, you get to the offer and they're like, oh, yeah, your your healthcare is going to be a thousand dollars a month for your family, and then you're mm. you're like, well, geez, that's uh not acceptable. <laughs> well, you have to be careful because if it's a smaller company. You, you just have to know, <clears throat> you know, if they're not in the <laughs> benefits and payroll business like my previous employer was, then they may not be able to offer the greatest insurance premiums. And, and there can be a massive difference between that and a very large company that, that can get, you know, deeper discounts and lower premiums and maybe contribute a bit more to the employee and or family type plan. Absolutely. So so that's a good thing to watch out for. Absolutely. If you are moving from large company to small company, then I might be a little bit more vigilant about that type of thing. Interestingly, I would say, you know, a little bit more relevant to people in, for example, the Bay or any kind of technology innovation area, moving from large company to startup, you know, probably similar type of thing. Although, you know, with uh, venture capital funding, it might not be as much of an issue, but definitely something to look out for. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think about the this first interview with the hiring manager, John? Is that, I mean, I think we covered the HR part yeah, pretty I well. Yeah, I think so. Probably overcovered what, it. <laughs> oh, it, I think it was good. Do you have any advice on what someone should expect on that first interview? Is there a wide spectrum or is there a general list of things that that one could expect. I think it always falls into a pattern, right? And the pattern is something along the lines of a overview of your resume. Tell me the story of your career as it's relevant to this job. I think that any uh, interviewee should expect that, right? Mm -hmm. If there are gaps in your resume, like 
you know, longer than three or four months, you know, that, Hey, you know, I exited, you know, a job, I took some time off, lived off savings. And when I got the itch, then I started applying, you know, like if there's a gap of six months, a year, two years, then you should probably be uh, prepared to answer questions about that. And there are completely valid, uh, answers to why there's a gap to your, in your resume. And I think there is a great podcast called career tools. Um, it's on iTunes. Uh, we can maybe have a link in the show notes, um, about why you would have a gap in your, uh, in your resume. And, you know, there's, just really good guidance. That's actually from the same people who do manager tools. And I'm a subscriber. It's one of the few things that I actually pay money for on the internet is a subscription to that website. And they, uh, we're we're not sponsored by them, but, uh, they, all their podcasts are free, but if you subscribe to their website, then you get the transcripts, which are, I cool. yeah, kind of gold. And they have an entire, uh, series for in career tools about uh, transitioning and interviewing and things like that. So um, a lot of uh, my opinions on this interview process have been shaped by listening to that podcast. And, and one of the things that they always say is, Hey, there's this list of standard questions that you're going to get asked. You know, why are you looking for a job? Uh, I assume that you got asked that in the last couple of times that you've done a job change. Am mm-hmm. I am I right about that? Like, hey, so why are, yeah. why are you looking? And um, yep. you better be prepared to have a really compelling um, statement for that, right? I remember I got asked and I said, well, I'm not looking. Um, but, you know, VMware uh, systems engineering is the next logical step for me. I had kind of imagined that it might take three or four years to get there. But here I am you know, two years into my current job and mm-hmm. an opportunity come up. So I decided I should probably, you know, explore it sooner rather than later or never. Right. So, you know, <laughs> the opportunity knocked on my door and I'm, I'm taking a look at it, but if this job doesn't work out, you know, I'm, I'm actually really happy in my current job so that, you know, that was kind of my talk track there. Right. And, um, you just you need to be prepared for it because you're going to get asked and you need to have um an answer for it and an answer that doesn't bash your current employer you know oh, that's I a good hate, one i hate my current boss i need to get out you know like that that doesn't you don't come off positively um mm-hmm. you know when you say something like that you you might say something like yeah i'm looking for a change in atmosphere um a change in opportunity, a change in, you know, the ceiling that I can achieve, you know, those are nice, nicer ways of saying things like, I don't like the atmosphere. Um, I'm topped out, (laughs) you know, so, uh, you know, always, uh, think about what it is you're going to say, maybe bounce, you know, your ideas off what you're going to say about that question to other people and, and, and ask their opinions about whether it sounds like you're bashing somebody. Oh yeah. So, you know, I don't work for the Geek Whisperers, but I've thought of another Geek Whisperer set of podcasts that would <laughs> apply here. There are there are two podcasts about the Silicon Valley V mugs that are absolute gold that apply to this specific situation. And Matt Broberg talks about you need to learn how to tell that story, like we were saying. 
you know, so in the in the job description that hopefully you read and catered your resume to, that's what the hiring manager is going to be going off of. And hopefully you can tell stories about the things you've achieved on that resume and, and how they came to be and really focus on that relatable experience. You know, if you're going for something in sales, but you did not work in sales, there is a sales element probably to what you've been doing. Hopefully you capitalize on that opportunity to talk about it, you know, and that's a really interesting and, question because that it's interesting that you bring that up because it was the number one thing. I think when you told me um, that you were interviewing for the VMware systems engineering job, you know, mm -hmm. I, I think I said to you, probably you better be ready to say, hey, you know, you don't have any sales experience. You know, tell me about, you know, maybe some selling that you've done internally or, you know, right. why should I hire you without any sales experience? And it's interesting because systems engineers, you know, kind of roll up in that sales uh, organization, but, you know, it's sure. um, a little bit less sales and more something else, like that ephemeral something else, right? Um, so how did you prepare for and answer that question? Well, in, well, you and I had some discussions about it, but again, it's that relatable experience. So if you've never had, quote, sales experience, if you think about it, you're working a help desk. Every single ticket is a possible technical sale. Jim Bob asks you for Microsoft Project, but you actually find out that he needs a different tool. And so you have to sell him on that different tool, not necessarily because you're trying to save the company money. Maybe you are, but because it's the right fit for what he needs. So you're matching, you're matching that real need with the right tool, and that is a sale. Absolutely, every single time. You need to, you need to pitch an idea to your boss. What are you doing? You're selling it. Mm. So your ideas about the correct outcome are something that you need to convince somebody else of. And mm -hmm. that is relatable experience, I think is the phrase that you used. Yes. And, uh, yeah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I think that people shouldn't just steal that. Although, you know, if they have a specific, um, you know, thing in their personal experience and their personal jobs, if they come across this, I mean, I think it's a great way to talk about it. Hey, you know, mm -hmm my boss wanted to do X, you know, put a bandaid on X and I com convinced him to spend, you know, and find, you know, $40,000 in budget that he had not anticipated on a new project because it was the right thing to do. And we saved over $60,000 over 18 months. Okay. So now it's not just, um, you know, sold, sold an idea, but it was sold a project and it cost the company money. Right. Mm -hmm. Again, relatable experience. And sure. you're able to relate it back to um, a return on investment. Yeah. And if we if we give another example, like let's say that you are interviewing for a technical marketing type job. Those people write, you know, white papers, admin guides, blogs, do public speaking, but you know, you don't have public speaking experience listed on your resume. Have you done talks at user groups? Well, you should you should promote that. You should put that on your resume. Have you been blogging for a little while and have something to show for it? Hopefully that's on your resume or on your LinkedIn and 
you know, maybe I wasn't blogging about this specific product all the time, but I blogged about all these other things, and you can see the technical highlights that I've actually done this work, and I'm not someone who's just making it up. You know, that's a body of work in and of itself that you can show for what you want to do. Ah, uh, yeah. The Here's a video of me giving a talk to a group of people. Here mm -hmm. is a program where I'm the featured keynote speaker, if that's what you're going for a position where you do keynote speaking. I, that, that's a really, really good point. And it also, um, I think it kind of backdoors into something else that we probably should talk about at some point in time in the future, which is what do you need to do to prepare to get the job that you want? You know, so if, mm -hmm. as you pointed out, you wanted to get a job in tech marketing and you know that doing white papers, writing blogs and public speaking are maybe three parts of the job that, as you understand them, three really important parts, and you have a gap in public speaking, then maybe what you need to do is as quickly as possible, but as methodically as possible, you know, get some public speaking experience, you know, present a paper at a conference, even if it's a small local conference, even if it's at a user group, it doesn't matter how small, start small, get larger, mm -hmm. you know, work your way up. So yeah, I think yeah. that that's a really good point. And I'll even throw one more example out there, John. You know, a lot of people consider themselves IT generalists, and they decide some t at some point, well, you know, I really want to specialize, and let's say you have a, a sysadmin that covers the gauntlet, but they see an opportunity to go and be a DBA. And you, you have all these job requirements to be a DBA. You know, you need to do be able to do the clustering and write SQL queries and database maintenance and all this stuff. And maybe you haven't done all that. But you know what? I actually stood up this SQL Server instance, and you know, I've been working with the reports team to write large reports with complex joins and using SQL Server reporting services and all these other things, you know, that kind of paints the picture that the logical next step is that you could move into that role and maybe even talk about how you were able to learn those new skills about this new specialization that you want so that you can show the, the hiring manager that you do have the capability to learn. Yeah, because that's, a, that's a really good point. Yeah. How many people meet every single job requirement on the list? I mean, did you? No, I definitely didn't. And that's probably a, a yet another topic that we can uh, talk about at some point in time is, um, you know, imposter syndrome during application, right? Because, mm, yeah. you know, usually people will re read a, um, a job listing and think, oh, well, that lists, you know, I, I have about 30% of those things, therefore I shouldn't apply, um, maybe you're not reading a job listing with a, you know, requirements section and a nice to have section. And even if it is the requirements, you have to think about, you know, how many people in the world exist that actually do meet all those requirements um, and whether yep. that matches the job title. Because I've, you know, I, I think that um, recruiters and, and people and companies are hurried, right? So you could say, oh, here's what it would be nice to have. Somebody who had A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O. And you know, pretty soon there's a list of 20 things. And they just might list it under job description, you know, not really noting what are requirements and what aren't. So um, 
now I'm I'm getting into that topic rather than uh, <laughs> noting that we should talk about it at some point in time in the future. But yeah, that's I okay. That I every single job that I've ever applied for and gotten, um, I did not meet, you know, 100% of the job description, right? The job description, is the, it sure would be nice if I had somebody who had all of these things. And sometimes you can look at it and go, well, if somebody met all those things, they would be worth $290,000. <laughs> um, is this a $290,000, um, title? No, it says, you know, entry level, something, something engineer, like, okay. So clearly, you know, some subset of all these skills is fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I want to add two more things if I may. Sure. So as you're on this first interview call with the manager, I would hope that at some point you will be given the opportunity to ask questions. Make sure you have some questions ready to ask them because that shows that you're interested enough in the role to have thought about what you would be doing and you know you you need to be able to prepare your mind for okay how would my life change if i was doing this you know what do i need to expect from xyz i'm like i'm going from a role that's in the office all the time to completely in the field like that's that was my case you know i, I don't go to an office every day I'm working from home or I'm going to visit a customer or going to meet with a partner, you know, that sort of thing. So have those ready because they want you to ask questions, you know, they, they are happy to answer pretty much any question you have because they want it to be a good fit just like you do. That's a good point. And I think we should probably spend some time talking about what are good questions. Yeah. Right. And I think that you kind of hit the nail on the head as far as, they want you to show interest, right? So Mm -hmm. I think that questions that express your interest in the job and clarifications on, you know, things about the job that would make you even more interested, interested are perfect kinds of questions to ask, like, you know, company culture, team culture, right? If you're talking to the hiring manager and you ask something about, you know, hey, what is it that you think is um, a good team makeup and a healthy team makeup. And, and do you have one now? You know, that that's something that's, you know, relevant to you and you, you know, get some insight about, about the hiring manager, right? Uh, because mm-hmm. if the hiring manager says, oh, I don't really care about team makeup or, you know, the, the, a good team is a team that, you know, listens to what I say to do and does it. <laughs> you know, that's a red, red flag. flag. <laughs> um, you know, but if they have something, you know, really interesting to say, like, oh, you know, I want, you know, a team of people that are really smart, but really smart in different ways. Um, so they complement each other, you know, people who are smart, but also willing, you know, humble and listening, willing to listen to each other. Okay, well, that's, that's great, right? That's yeah, kind of, you know, more of an ideal situation, right? So maybe you could uh, ask about you know, conflict resolution on the team or within the company or, um, but, you know, think about, you know, how to make that question, you know, good. Like, you know, if, if two people are really interested in an opportunity, you know, how do you, you know, make the decision who gets that opportunity? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, that's a better way to ask that question than to say, how do you resolve conflicts on the team? Yeah. Agreed. So, um, all good points. Yeah. 
maybe something like about you said. mentoring and development opportunities, right? Um, so I'm going to join your team. I have my set of skills. How do I get better? Is there something at the company that helps me to get better, even better than I am at my job, right? Because I want to get better and better and better. So what structures exist within the company to to help me do that? You know, that that's another great oh, yeah. question, right? And it indicates your interest in the job and your interest in getting better at the job, right? So... Yes, sir. Cool. Okay, my last thing before it slips my mind, and then we can move on to the next topic. So we had a DFW Spice Corps meeting in November where a recruiter that I worked with came, and it was it was a great session, very interactive. It was about an hour, hour and a half long, and it was a recruiter's advice to the IT pro. And he talked about everything from your LinkedIn profile to negotiating salary to – applicant tracking systems and all this stuff about the hiring process and some insight into what his world is like, even even best days to apply for jobs, which I thought was an interesting point that I had never considered. Ooh, I'm intrigued. He, yeah. So we'll put that in the show notes and definitely go watch it if you have time because that, that guy did a great job. And nice. he was actually the one who did the HR screen when I started at that company. Oh, okay. And super nice guy. It, it was great. People had all sorts of questions, and he was happy to answer them. Great. And that's a recording of that session? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, wow. It's, that's amazing. There's a post in the Spiceworks community where I, I gave some highlights of the talk, and we posted it on the DFW Spice Core YouTube channel. Nice. And the link is in that in that post. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll give those links in the show notes, as you said. Great point. Cool. Well, Nick, I think that's it for that segment. And as yeah. a result, all the topics we had planned, uh, anything pop into your mind while we talk? I would say we need to do a podcast on why blogging might be a good idea mm. to help your career. Mm-hmm. I thought of that as we were talking earlier, but that's about it. Yeah, cool. We should definitely add that to the list of things that we talk about in the future. Cool. Okay, well, uh, farewell listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White on Twitter at BJourneyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore. Signing off. Talk to you later, everybody. Peace.